The Lord dropped this in my heart last night so strong. Five things that we can tell the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you as we go before your word that it is a lamp to our feet. Your word is a light unto our path. Father, you said that you are watchful over your word to perform it. Lord, I pray that as your word goes forth, let it be like a fire shut up in our bones. Let it be like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. Father, I pray that this morning we wouldn't just get information about your word, but Father, I pray that your word would become alive in the hearts of every person under the sound of my voice. Father, I ask you that you would help me to minister your word as I should. Give me utterance in the Holy Ghost. As the psalmist said, make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer that I would speak your word. Father, we give Jesus the praise and the glory this morning. Anoint every ear to hear. Let every heart be receptive to receive that which the Spirit is saying. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. And amen. Five things to tell the world. This is five things that everybody here under the sound of my voice, when you leave this building, when you're in the workplace, when you're sitting around with family, uh, with the holidays that are just around the corner, Thanksgiving, Christmas, these are five Bible facts, five things from the word of God that you can share with anybody. And this will really help you out. Are you ready for this? Five things that we can tell the world. Number one, we can tell the world and we can confidently say this because of the authority of the word of God. Number one, we can tell the world that Jesus loves them. I know for some people that sounds like a cliche. Jesus loves you. In fact, when we've gone on the streets this week, we've told over 1,400 people in, t- in nine days, God loves you and has a plan for your life. That's in the book of John three sixteen. I quoted it earlier. For God so loved, everybody say loved. Say it, say it better than that. Say love that whosoever believeth in him should it to be an eternal being. Death is not the end. Death is only the beginning. A hundred years from now, where are you going to be? There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun because God made a way for us because he loved us. God created man to have fellowship with man. That's why we're here because God wanted fellowship with man. Someone says, what? God, uh, He wants fellowship with me? I don't even want fellowship with me. (laughs) You know, no, he does. He wants fellowship with you. That's why Jesus said, when you get saved, he said, I don't call you uh, servants. I call you my friends. Yeah, that's why we sing songs. I'm a friend of God because Jesus calls us friends because he wants fellowship with us. So we'll have everlasting life, eternity uh, in heaven with him. Let me tell you something about heaven. We'll talk more about it in like two minutes. But let me just say this first. Let me get rid of this preconceived idea of what heaven's like. In heaven, you're not floating on a cloud with a toga on, speaking Elizabethan English with a harp. Ring, ring. <laughs> For verily, Chaz, how art thou today? You know, it's not going to be like that. Amen. We'll we'll talk more about it in a minute, but you want to get there. Heaven's a great place. People are dying to get there. We'll just, anyway, (laughs) but people are walking around, even in our city. They think God's angry with them. They think God is upset with them. Me, Pastor Daniel, my wife, we went to a restaurant this week 
And within five minutes, we began to talk to the waitress about her eternity, about her soul. And she was on the ground. She was weeping. She says, I have a one-way ticket to hell because of everything that I've done. God is angry at me. I know that he would never let somebody like me in the through the gates of heaven. And Pastor Daniel began to minister to her and said, listen, we all had that ticket to hell. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all had that ticket to hell. Are you with me? Glory to God because of the stuff that we've done, that, that we've done. But for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes, everybody say believes. Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. He takes that ticket to hell, rips it up, and he gives us a ticket into eternity through the gates of heaven. Hallelujah. So that doesn't mean he loves everything that we do. Amen. Come on, if you have kids... You might not love some things that they've done, some things that they do, but you still love your child no matter what mistakes. Come on, parents. No matter what mistakes that they've made, no matter how they've wasted their life doing things. Come on, if you're a parent, your arms of love are still outstretched that they can come to you at any time. You just want to come and help them, right? We have a heavenly father, amen, who loves us even if he doesn't love some things that, that we do. In fact, we can look at it this way. If we read through the scriptures, God loves us so much, he's not going to allow us to say the same. God loves us so much that he wants to do a work in our heart to make us more and more like him. Number one, five things to tell the world. Tell the world Jesus loves them. Never tell people, well, God's ticked off at you, you know. We have people all the time, they come to the river. They said, I was afraid to walk in there. I thought God was going to get me with the fly swatter and just swap me like a bug if I came to that church. No, we've heard that like so many times. But look, Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden and weary. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Hello. So Jesus stands with his arms of love wide open. Number two, five things you can tell the world. Number one, Jesus loves them. Number two, tell the world that Jesus paid the price for our sin. That's in Romans 3 and verse 23. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Friend, there's no one sitting here that hasn't fallen short in comparison to a perfect holy God. Are you with me? You don't have to tell me. And we found as we go out into the city, we don't have to convince people that they've blew it once or twice that they've made a mistake, that it's all, I mean, it's hard to even go through a day without getting ticked off at somebody on the road. Hello, second street. Anyway, <laughs> uh-oh, I'm telling on myself, <laughs> you know, we've all sinned. We've all made a mistake. We've all blew it. But look at this Romans five, eight, it says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. One translation says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about this. While you were at your worst of the worst condition, Christ died for you then. 
Are you with me? So you've never gone one sin too far that, that the, the, the sacrifice that Jesus did on the, cro- the cross, it's gone around the entire globe. What Jesus has done, there, you've not gone one sin too far. In fact, let me say this, for you to think, sitting here this morning, that you've done one sin that God couldn't forgive, you're saying that your sin is more powerful than what Jesus did on the cross. Let me tell you, uh-uh. <laughs> nope. Hallelujah. There's nothing more powerful than the cross. There's nothing more powerful than the blood. Jesus died for us. He died for our sins. Someone might ask the question, why did God send his son Jesus to die for us anyway? Why did he have to die? You know, I think about these things, you know, like, well, why? You know, I'm still, I know I'm 32 now, but I still like do that thing. But why? But why? But but why? You know, why, why did God send his son? Why did Jesus have to die? I'm going to show you right now. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. The punishment for sin, sin is any disobedience towards God. The punishment for sin is death. So look at this. Look at God's love for you. So instead of us having to die, instead of us having to be punished, Jesus died in our place. Jesus died on our, yeah, I mean, that's something to get excited about. Hello, amen. I didn't have to die. Jesus died in our place. Can you say amen? Jesus took our punishment. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Jesus, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Think about that. Jesus, who lived a perfect, spotless life, Jesus lived on the earth, he took on human flesh, and he never sinned, but the Bible says God made him to be our sin. Let me tell you something. Yeah, I feel like a nerd, like, having to do this. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Should have worn my contacts. Anyway, if these go flying off and hit somebody, it's just like, you know, sorry. Think about this. Jesus didn't just die for you. He did die for you, but look at this. He died as you. He became all of our sin when he was hanging on the cross. The Bible says in Isaiah, it pleased the Father to bruise him. Jesus, God poured his wrath for the sins of mankind on his son Jesus when he was hanging on the cross. He did that for you, his only begotten son, the son whom he loved, for he so loved the world. He loved you, he loved me, that Jesus went willingly. Jesus, he went uh, obediently to the cross to make the way. To, to pay the price. So Jesus took our punishment. He paid the price for our freedom. All we have to do is accept it by faith. It's not rocket science. <laughs> it's so easy that we can come and accept it by faith, by believing, as John three sixteen says, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans six twenty three says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. Everybody say, the gift Say it better than that. Say the gift of God. Yeah, it says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. So that's why you come around church, we make a big deal about the blood of Jesus, right? Who's, who's been to those old tent revivals as a kid, man, where they're singing, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood, right? Who's heard those songs, right? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know why we make a big deal about the blood? 
Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Jesus shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. Look at this now. The Bible says that his blood washes away our sin. The word in Greek is remit. That means there's no trace. That means there's no record of it. Look at this. The blood of Jesus is a cleansing agent. Hello? Amen. When you get saved, it's his blood working. The blood of Jesus washes away your sin. So look, are you getting this? I know you are. You're smart people. Look, when God sees you as somebody who's received Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when the Father sees you, he doesn't see an old, dirty, rotten sinner anymore. You were, (laughs) but he doesn't see that anymore. He sees, whoa, there's somebody in right standing with me. The blood of my son must have got over uh, on them. They're, they're washed clean. Come on, okay. Right, who gardens? Two of you. Okay, okay, a few more. Men, who, women too. Who works on vehicles, right? Tractors, hello, equipment. Okay, two of you, like two and a half. You're out working in the garden. You're out working on the car. What happens? You get dirty. You, your hands get grimy, dirt under your fingernails. You wipe the sweat, sweat off your face. There's dirt. You're covered in dirt, grime, sweat, right? You're dirty. So the spouse calls you in. Hey, it's time for dinner. So you go in. And hopefully they're more loving than that. But anyway, <laughs> you know, hey, it's time for dinner. And so you go into the house and then you go to sit at the table, but they say, you can't sit here looking like that. You need to go wash up. Look at you. You're dirty. And you go, oh, yeah, you're right. So what do you do? You jump in the shower, right? You jump in the shower. You turn it on. You take the soap. You begin to wash up. And you look down. Who's ever looked down? You see all that dirt, all the grime, all the stink goes down the drain. And then you come out and you sit at the table. That's what the blood of Jesus does to our spirit man. The blood of Jesus comes and he washes all the, the, the fear, the anxiety, the, the lies, the, the, the bitterness, jealousy, unforgiveness, the hidden things that lurk deep on the inside of us. The blood of Jesus washes those things away and, and it cleanses you. Come on, who in here with Jesus in your heart can testify with an uplifted hand that you know what I'm talking about, right? Come on, there is power in the blood of Jesus. So number three, or I'm sorry, number two, what you can tell the world is Jesus paid the price for our sin. The blood of Jesus washes it away, no trace, no record of it. Number three, Five things you can tell the world. Number three, tell the world that God has an abundant life for them to live. Everybody say an abundant life. John 10 and verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. Did you see that verse? He said that the devil comes to steal, the devil comes to kill, the devil comes to destroy. You want to hear something awesome that, that we've seen the Lord do? You, you ready for this? This will clear your sinuses. I'm just going to tell you right now. It cleared mine. <laughs> Listen to this. In Zanesville, we, we got a message from a lady. She said, hey, my friend's husband just had a massive heart attack. They don't expect him to live. His organs are shutting down right now. They have him on life support. Would you come to Zanesville and pray? And so me and my mother, we, we both decided to go together. We, we got in the vehicle. We went down to Genesis Hospital. Well, we didn't know this lady didn't prepare the wife that we were coming. 
we thought we had like full permission to go. So it's kind of like awkward. We walk in like, hey, we're from the River Church in Shockton. We were called to pray. And the whole, the families, they're all crying. They're all mourning. The wife is crying. They look at us. What are you doing here? We don't even know you. And we're like, we're, we're just, we were asked to pray. So we're just, we're just here. Uh, we're just here to pray. And the wife asked, she said, why did God do this to my husband? He's young. Why did he do that? That was, you know, and I was a young pastor at that time. It's like, oh, okay. You know, and she's angry. She's upset at God. Why did God do this? And the first scripture that came to me, the Lord helped me in the, to give her an answer. The first scripture that came to me was John 10, 10, the devil comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give an abundant life. I said, lady, let me tell you something right now. This was not God's will for your husband. There is a good God, but there is a bad devil. When bad things happen in your life, it's not because of a good God. It's because there is a devil who steals. There is a devil who kills. There is a devil who wants to destroy. That's why if this was the Ark of the Covenant, the gangplank is down. Come into the Ark of Salvation. Come into the Come to the cross receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior to be protected from the effects of the flood. Hello. Is this on? No, I know it is. Amen. Are you getting this? So I told her that, and she just, it was like the light clicked on, and she realized, you're right. Yeah, this isn't God. This is the devil. I said, if you don't mind, we'll pray. Her, her kids were there. They were very upset that we were there to pray. You know, who, who noticed? Some people don't like preachers very much. And uh, so uh, anyway, we just did our job. Amen. In humility, we just went and we laid hands on him. They said, there's no hope. His organs are shutting down right now. His vitals are all shot. He, they said, maybe two days we could keep him on life support. We need a miracle. We begin to pray. And as we begin to pray, do you know what happened? Nothing, man. It's just like nothing. Like we prayed and like nothing happened, you know. So I go go home, and this is on the Sunday. I go home. I preach the Sunday night service at the River Church. I told the church what happened. I said, "Look, we're going to believe God for a miracle." Sometimes when we pray, it's as we go. It's as time passes. Then God begins to work because the Bible says, "Lay hands on the sick, and they will recover." How many of you guys know that that? means the time period is going to pass. So I said, but we are believing that he will live and that he will not die. And the church said, amen. Well, listen to this. As I was telling the church that, this this has happened, man. As I was telling the church that, my mom held her cell phone up. They said, she said, I just got a Facebook message. His vitals are turning around. The next day he woke up. That Friday he was mowing grass. Come on. Hallelujah. <laughs> abundant life. He's still alive today. He went to work the next week. <laughs> His boss wouldn't even let him off the hook, man. <laughs> Amen. You're coming to work. I'll give you just that art deck. Amen. <laughs> he was mowing grass that Friday. He was out there mowing. Hallelujah. And God showed up in that family. Come on. Who in this place? Be honest. You need God to show up. Come on. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you're here this morning. You think you're here to just win the bill pay? You are here because Jesus is about to get in your boat. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Everyone say abundant life. Jesus said, I've come to give an abundant life. God is good. The devil's bad. Very elementary stuff. Amen. We teach that in the kids program. But God is good and he and the devil is bad. God has a plan for you. You were created for a purpose. There's nobody sitting here. Let me just debunk one lie from the enemy because he's a thief. He's a liar. Let me tell you something. You're not a mistake. 
I don't care what anyone said to you. I don't care if it was a family member. You are not an accident. God doesn't make oopsies. You are not an oopsie. Hallelujah. You are here for a plan. You are here for a purpose. The, the Bible says, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I had a, he says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a hope. Plans to give you a future. Everybody say, God has a plan. He has a wonderful plan for you. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to man, but the end leads to death. There's a way that seems right to every one of us. Trust me, I wanted to be a software developer. I was, I was actually going to be a nerd, man. And uh, I mean, like, like certified nerd, like a professional. <laughs> but, but God showed up. And he called me at a very young age. He said, I've called you into the ministry. Here I am today. Now we're sitting at 1,400 people who made a decision for Jesus in the past nine days. That's not me. That's God working in this church. Hallelujah. Just like you need me to do what God's called me to do, we need you to do what God's called you to do. Doesn't mean you'll have a pulpit and a microphone and be some religious stinker. Doesn't mean you'll be a preacher. Hello. Look, we need saved Lawyers, saved doctors, saved people working in the grocery store, saved people working as car mechanics. We need saved Holy Ghost on fire people in every area of society. Can you say amen? Because the biggest lie the devil says is to be used of God, you have to preach. But that's not even, that's not even the case. God has something specific for every single one of you, but it's something that will in some way count for eternity. Are you with me? So you might be working that job. I, I know a guy, he's a janitor at an airport, but every opportunity he gets, he tells people about Jesus. And there are people in ministry today that that janitor just walked up to and he began to tell them when they weren't even saved, God loves you, he has a plan, and led them right into Jesus. Years later, they're in ministry. Hey, sign me up for that. I want to be a Holy Ghost janitor. <laughs> Hallelujah. God has a plan for you. Hallelujah. Can you say Amen. You should want everything God has for you today. That's why he plants churches like the River Church. Who's already seen we're a little bit different of a church? Amen. Someone say, that's a good thing. Amen. Because we have wonderful churches in our city, and that's fine. That's wonderful. We need all the churches here doing whatever they're called to do. But, but we're doing what God has called us to do. This church is here to help develop you so that you can be everything that God has called you to be. That's why we, we help people any way that we can. We help people get their minds straight, get their marriage straight, get their physical body straight. Amen. Any way that we can help. We're here. When people have a need in our church, we rally around them and we lift them up. We, we bring them before the Lord in prayer. Help them with needs that they have. This church exists to help people on their way through life. Uh, look, I, I looked this up, and we're about uh, ending here, and then we'll do the strolling, but I looked this up on the internet. It's not hard. They let anybody use Google, so I found these stats. And uh, <laughs> uh, look at the stats of people who attend church regularly every Sunday, uh, once a week. Uh, Harvard research found in 2020 that in the U.S., men who attended uh, one church service per week have a 68%, 68% lower hazard of death from despair. The University of Saskatchewan found that church attendance was linked to significant reduction of depression. People who attend church regularly uh, have the ability to manage their time. Well, it's 
probably because we believe that the Bible says we need to make the most of our time. Amen. But they have the ability to manage their time. People who attend church regularly have the ability to achieve their goals and dreams as, as much as such, they also make more money financially. Hello. Uh, so I, I hear people say, I can't come to Sunday service. I got to work. But it says right there, those who actually attend service actually make more financially. So anyway, I'll just throw that out there. Uh, people who attend church have better sex lives. They have better grades. They have significantly lower risk of death. And people who attend church regularly have a longer life expectancy. Someone, uh, uh, let me ask you, does that sound like an abundant life? Some of you don't look too sure. Some of you, someone says, you lost me at 68%. My brain don't go that far. Amen. <laughs> well, mine either. I'm, I got, you know, notes, so that helps me. Amen. Hallelujah. This is not because of the work of man. This is because of the work God is doing in the lives of, of the people. Come on, River members. Can you testify to that, that your life has got better since you come to church? Amen. And you give God the first part of your week? Come on, who can testify your life is better and not worse? Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Number four, five things we can tell the world. Number one, we can tell them that Jesus loves them. Number two, we can tell people that he paid the price for their sin. Number two, we can tell people that God has an abundant life for them to live. Number four, we can tell people, tell the world that there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. John 14, three, Jesus said, and if I go, how many of you guys know Jesus ascended into heaven after he rose again. When he rose again, the stone was rolled. Jesus came out. He was resurrected. The Holy Spirit gave life to the body of Jesus. And Jesus ascended. The Bible says a cloud received him out of their sight. But Jesus said this, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. That's heaven. The Bible calls heaven a place of great rejoicing. The Bible calls heaven the fullness of joy. No, think of this. In heaven, there, in, it's a real place. There's people there right now. Some of you may have a, a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, a grandchild, someone very close, uncles, aunts, friends in heaven right now. Let me tell you, if they're in heaven, they are. A, if you have people... Waiting for you on the other side. They're in heaven. Let me tell you something. They are more alive than you are right now. Did you hear what I said earlier? Death is not the end. It's the beginning. Hallelujah. Now, we want you to live the full number of your days. I'd like to keep you here to 120 years old. But I don't know. For me, once things start leaking, I want to go. But anyway, that's just my own personal thing. (laughs) But listen, heaven is... is, is, I mean, come on. Anyway, heaven is a place of great rejoicing. There's no sickness. There's no sorrow. There's no pain there. Those in heaven, they're in the presence of Jesus right now. Think about that. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Hallelujah. So there's a heaven to gain. There's no depression. There's no sorrow. They're only rejoicing. Hallelujah. So some of you have friends, family, parents, brothers, sisters, children who are there right now. I know I have a father waiting for me. I have two grandmothers. I have two grandfathers in heaven right now. And the way that you can, that you can see them when you die is by accepting Jesus Christ by faith as your Lord and Savior. It's not rocket science. It's a free gift. Amen. And in heaven, when we get to the other side, as I said, it's the beginning. You're only going to die once. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. After that, the judgment. Are you with me? 
So we're only going to die once. And after you cross that barrier of death, you are going to live for the eternity of eternities. Let me tell you how long eternity is as we prepare to close here. Let me paint a picture, right, of how long is eternity. Let me, I've heard it best put this way. Uh, I was reading a book, and this author put it this way. This is how long eternity is. Let's say there's a, there's a large mountain. Think Mount Everest, one of the biggest, largest mountains you can think of on the earth. And let's say there was a raven that lived on top of that mountain. And every 1,000 years, that raven flew all the way down to the foot of that mountain. And that raven pecked its beak three times at the foot of the mountain. One, two, three. And it flew back up to the top. And it did that every 1,000 years. It flew down and pecked its beak three times and flew back up. Listen to this now. When the whole of that mountain is rubbed away, eternity just started. (laughs) That's a long time. That's eternity. Eternity. It just started. When that raven finished rubbing it away every thousand years, three pecks of its beak, eternity just began. On the other side, hell is a real place. It's not a party. Hell is not a party. It's actually very lonely. You're not going to have any interaction with anybody. You're not going to be able to talk. Jesus described hell as a place of torment and suffering. Jesus said it's a place of weeping. It's a place of gnashing of teeth. You can't even utter a word. The pain is just you're gnashing your teeth. It's void of any love. It's a place where people are lonely for all of eternity. Let me tell you another story. Um, And let me tell you that God gives everybody an opportunity. He gives everyone an opportunity. To, to repent. He gets everyone an opportunity to receive Christ. Listen to this. My pastor, he lives in Tampa, Florida. He's from South Africa. He's a missionary to America. And uh, back in the early days of his ministry, he was doing an outdoor tent revival, and there was uh, several hundred people there. He gave an invitation to receive Christ, and people came forward. They began to fill the altar. We're, we're going to have something like that this morning. We're going to give you a public, uh, an opportunity to make a public decision, because that's important. Um, he, he did that and, and he told people the, the plan of salvation. And if you want to receive Christ, come forward. We're going to pray together. One prayer fits all. We're going to, we're going to give you that opportunity. Well, guess what? 130 people flooded the altar call. People came eyes closed, their hands lifted, ready to receive Jesus in their heart, ready to secure their home in heaven. Well, listen to this. When that happened, my pastor felt there, there's others that need to answer the altar call. There's somebody else. There's somebody, listen to this. This is powerful. There's somebody else that needs to answer this altar call. And so my pastor waited. He waited five minutes. He said, there's someone else. You need to answer this altar call. He waited 10 minutes. There's someone else. He waited 15 minutes. Now you have people like murmuring in the crowd, what's going on? He waited 20 minutes. He waited 30 minutes. People standing there. Everyone's just kind of like looking around. It's been 30 minutes. They're just like, and he said, there's someone else that needs to join. Finally, it got ridiculous. Even preachers were get, in the crowd were getting upset. Why are you taking so long with this? But listen, God gives everybody an opportunity. Listen to this. Suddenly, it was like something broke. One young man in his 20s came down the aisle that way. One elderly gentleman came down the aisle that, that way, and they both met at the altar, and they both joined. And when that happened, my pastor felt a release. There it is. Listen, he prayed. They accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He sent them home that night. They were going to have another night meeting. Well, listen to this. Uh, the pastor who was helping orchestrate the, the whole meeting for my pastor, he said, Did you re- do you remember those two uh, men that answered the altar call at the end last night? He said, yeah. He said, yeah, 
they both died last night. And my pastor thought maybe they knew each other. Maybe they traveled together. They got in a car accident. Something happened. He said, no, they didn't know each other. We knew who they were, but they didn't know each other. He said the the young man was walking home at 4 a.m. He died by a drive-by shooting. He said the old man passed away in, in his sleep. What would have happened had my pastor not waited 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes till it was ridiculous, till people were getting offended. He waited. God, it's like he hit the pause button on the whole service just for those two people because God in his foreknowledge knew that their time was about up. It's appointed unto man once to die. We all have that appointment with death. Are you with me? 100% of every human dies. Amen. We all have that appointment. But what's important to know is where are you going to go when that happens? Are you with me? Number five, what you can tell the world, and this is where we're going to end, is that God answers prayer. He answers prayer. The Bible says in the book of Mark, chapter eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you've received it and it will be yours. Everything I told you today is not my idea. It's from the Bible. Hallelujah. Uh, there's an evangelist who, who knows of Dr. Billy Graham. Uh, several of you will know who he is. He met with 13 U.S. presidents. He said this, I've never met a man who received Jesus Christ as a savior who regretted it later. <laughs> The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Fred, I want to tell you today, you're one prayer away from surety with God. I want to do this right now. Don't get too comfortable in your seat. Every head bowed, every eye closed, all across this place. I want everyone to bow your head. Everyone to close your eyes right now. As Sam comes up on the keys and just joins me, play something nice up there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Friend, if you're in this place... And you fit into one of these three categories. I'd love to have the privilege of praying with you and for you. If you're in this place, number one, and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never said, Jesus, come and be the Lord of my life. Friend, let me tell you right now. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. No one's perfect. And the Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, I want to tell you today, number one, if you're in this place and you've never given your life to the Lord, you've never made a public decision for Christ, which is important that we make it public. Because Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before the Father. That's why it has to be public. Hallelujah. If you've never done that, this is your opportunity. The Bible says, I'll take out the stony, stubborn heart and I'll put in a heart of flesh. A new spirit I'll put on the inside of you. Number two, if you're in this place and maybe you've given your life to the Lord and days gone by, but you're not serving God the way that you should. There's something in between you and God. But today you want to come back. Maybe today you want to make a fresh recommitment of your life to Jesus. Maybe you just need to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Let me tell you, Jesus said, I would that you be hot or cold. But if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Now's not the time to have a foot in the world and a foot in God. Now's the time to be hot, on fire for God. But things happen. These last three years have been rough on everybody. Stuff comes to knock the wind out of our sails. Maybe you were doing good with the Lord. 
But something happened that rocked your world. A divorce, a loss of a friend, a loss of a loved one, loss of a job, a betrayal of a close friend. Something came and just knocked the wind out of your sails. And now you find yourself in a place where you're not where you should be with God. You found yourself drifting further and further away. But today you say, I want to come back. Friend, he'll restore the peace you once had, the joy you once knew. He'll restore the joy of your salvation. Number three, if you're in this place, this is the third invitation I'll give. If you love the Lord and you believe in Jesus, but the devil lies to you all the time and tells you that you're not really saved, you're not really going to go to heaven. But today you want to seal the deal and you just want to make sure once and for all, that you're gonna, that you're gonna, when you breathe out that last breath, you're gonna be in the arms of Jesus. You say, I wanna make sure. Number one, you wanna give your life to the Lord for the very first time. Number two, you wanna come back this morning. Number three, you just wanna make sure. Friend, one prayer fits all. If you breathed out your last breath, where would you go? What would happen? If tonight you put your head on your pillow and your heart stopped, where would you go? Don't play Russian roulette with your eternity. One more day with every head bowed and every eye closed if that's you and you fit into one of those three categories I want to pray with you I want to pray for you I want you to quickly right in your seat slip up your hand and say that's me pray for me I see that hand 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 hands going up all across the place hands going up hallelujah if you didn't raise your hand but you want to be included in the prayer that I'm about to pray quickly slip up your hand say that's me pray for me You want to be included, just slip up your hand. All across this place, hands are going up. Hallelujah. I want to do this now. I want every person who raised your hand to stand. Stand all across this place. Just stand to your feet. You can go ahead and look at me. Hallelujah. But if you raise your hand quickly, just stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's others. You raise your hand. Hallelujah. Quickly, just stand to your feet. Glory to God. If you want to be included... And you're not standing, just quickly, just stand to your feet. Say, that's me, I want to be included. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want to do this with everybody standing. We're going to make room at the altar here. I want you to come right now. Hallelujah. I want you to just come right in front of me, right in front of this pulpit. Come right right up here. Just come wherever you are. Just come face me right around, right around here. This is what we call a public decision. Yep, just crowd them in right in front of me, right here, right here. Hallelujah. Just, just make a group. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's others. Just come right around. Ushers, you can help them out. If you want to join them, just come. As you come in front of me, you can just close your eyes, lift your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. We're going to pray. One prayer fits all. I want to tell you, if you mean business with God, God means business with you this morning. And I feel there's others. You should be up here with them. Quickly, run up here. Run up here. Don't delay. Go ahead and sing that same worthy is as we give people an opportunity to come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Come on, there's others. Quickly step out of your seat. Your heart's pounding out of your chest. I feel just like those two men that joined. There's someone here right now. You need to come up here. We'll leave, leave it open for 30 more seconds.
For those of you that came up with your hand lifted to heaven, with your eyes closed, pray this prayer with me, with your heart and lips out loud. Say this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe you've risen from the dead. And you're coming back again for me. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a passion for the things of God. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Come into my heart right now. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Now, Father, I pray that as these precious people have came up to receive you, that you would seal them now by your blood. Seal them by your spirit, Lord, that on that day, let not one be missing. I break every bondage. I break depression. I break anxiety. I break fear, Father, from this day. Let them experience the blessing of heaven and the good hand of the Lord. I break every bondage that's come against their life, every assignment from hell. We plead the blood of Jesus over it now, and it's broken even this day. Come on now, just lift both your hands and thank them all across this place. Come on, River Church. Hallelujah.